0: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Efridge. So where is the best place to turn on iTunes and on the web for sex in marriage information? That would be Sexy Marriage Radio, and we would love to hear from you. You can email us. It's feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes, leave us any kind of review, five-star review, if you love what we do because that helps spread the word. Also, we love comments because that helps us know that we're speaking your language or we're helping you speak better language, I guess you could say, because we want to have the best sex happening in marriage all across the land and all across the world, and that's something I think we both believe heavily in. Don't you, Shannon?
1: I do believe heavily in that. That would be an accurate description. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Uh, You know, Corey, I'm still learning the ropes with all this technology and stuff. You know, you and I are Skyping back and forth right now to capture this. I love the fact that you're at the soundboard, that you're in control of all the technology because I'm kind of a technophobe when it comes to that. It's a miracle that I have an iPhone. Uh, But I just had to laugh because uh, just now... I was bringing up an email that I wanted to share in today's show, but then I realized you're going to hear pinging in the background if I get emails. Right. So I used my volume thing, my volume button. I I don't even know what it's called. (laughs) I used the thing that you use on your laptop to turn the volume down. And then Corey, you started talking and it was like you were lip syncing. I mean, I, I had no sound. And And so I realized, oh, oh no, wait a minute. If I turn the sound down, I'm turning you down. (laughs) I just have to tell everybody. And I
0: hate being turned down. I mean, come (laughs) on.
1: And I just thought, how ironic <laughs> that you say that, because that's actually the topic of today's show, is we're going to revisit rejection anxiety. So I'm sorry, Corey, if I gave you rejection anxiety <sighs> in that moment that I was accidentally turning you down.
0: That's all right. Uh, but how many but times I turned you
1: back up immediately. That's okay, but
0: that opens up a whole different thought process. How many times do you accidentally turn down your spouse? Exactly.
1: <laughs> I was like, exactly. I didn't mean
0: to turn you down. Wait, hold on.
1: Well, actually, it it happens more often than we probably realize. Maybe. And that's one of the reasons that after I listened to episode 77 and got you and Gina's take on it with that particular show, I did get excited over the fact that someone asked us to revisit this topic so that people could hear my opinion. Because I have to admit... uh, I have a very different opinion.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, it's a shocker, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let me let me catch everybody up just real quick because it, we you have referred to it several times. of Episode 77 is a whole show on rejection anxiety and it's this is along the theme of how do you initiate why do you initiate what keeps you from initiating and a lot of times i think as men because we're talking i'm talking specifically to the high desire partner here because that's usually who who does the bulk of the initiating and i think in that show we did some stereotypical male female things but a lot of times we don't initiate because of just fear of rejection i don't want to be turned down again and so there that just shuts you down to where ah, i'm not even going to initiate or it's safer to just kind of be available and see and see what may happen. So, I want to hear your take.
1: Yeah. I I feel as if you guys let the low desire spouse off the hook. Okay. I have a very different take than the high desire spouse is always responsible for initiating because they're the one who wants it.
0: Okay. Because
1: I think that it sets up a pattern that becomes a routine that becomes a rut. In a rut is no different than a grave with the ends kicked out. Yep. yep. That I think that it just sets the dynamic that the pursuit that the high desire person always pursues and the low desire person always rejects. And it really is easy to get in that rut because I've been in it on both sides of the fence. Okay. You know, I mentioned that there have been seasons where, you know, especially when I had children all around my ankles all day. Um, you know, that season of motherhood, it is it is really hard, especially when you're breastfeeding and the idea of sharing your breasts with one more person that day who's full grown. It yeah, there, there there's nothing really sexy about it when you're using your body for such a different purpose during that season. Uh, but I remember you know, I remember sensing Greg's frustration with, you know, I'm thrilled that we're parents now and I couldn't love this little baby more. But now I feel like I'm competing. Now I feel as if they are getting all of your energies and I am getting very, very little. Mm -hmm. And I had to really muster the energy to connect with him sexually. Uh, And then, of course, you know, there are seasons more recently where the roles have reversed a little bit and Greg in his 50s is beginning to slow down a little, whereas I in my 40s are just beginning to really ramp up even more. And there are times that he has to realize that i have a little bit of rejection anxiety um so i wanted to share a story that happened it wasn't it's not just a story that happened i want to tell you uh, what happened when we met a really dear couple in Colorado Springs when we were doing a marriage conference
0: okay so
1: we we're at this marriage conference greg and i teaching And there was this cute little couple in the front row. They were just so lovey-dovey the entire time. And I thought, okay, they must be newlyweds. (laughs) But when we opened up the floor for some discussion, we actually learned that they had been married for over a decade. And they wanted to share one of their secrets of how they have remained sexually and emotionally intimate through these years. And I loved their idea. It was that they kind of have a game going on in their marriage where they take turns like a tennis match of whose turn it is to initiate. And you can initiate however you want. You can get as creative as you want, or it can just be as boring and routine as you want. But the idea is that you have 72 hours to respond. So you have, so he initiates and, and hopefully he scores. And then she has 72 hours to return the ball. And so it's never one person's responsibility right. to always do the initiating and the other person's responsibility to always do the responding or the rejecting.
0: What do you think That's, about that idea? I've heard of that. I, um, I know of a couple of people that do something similar where the first three days of the week, it's one person's and then the, the last three days of the week, it's the others. So that way, oh, I like that. you know, it, it kind of helps set the, the stage. Um, obviously, you have to have two people that are interested. That, yeah.
1: And that are fun loving. It yeah, needs to be playful
0: because it, it is one of those, you know, immediately you can hear the. Well, if I have to schedule sex, there's no spontaneity. And like, well, okay, hold on. That's not the point we're talking about here.
1: Right. And I can just envision the person going, but what happens if I'm horny on hump day and it's her day, right. you know, well, it, there has to be some flexibility. Yeah.
0: And I've also heard of a little bit of a deviation of that plan. And this is from one of the guys I play basketball with that, he brought this up one time when we were having a conversation years ago just about marriage and the container of stress that it can provide and the frustration and you know all the different things that can happen spe- specifically around the topic of sex and he He and his wife came up with because he is the high desire, she was the low, and apparently it was a fairly low desire, so she really her idea of initiating was just non-existent almost, so they came up with. He was free to initiate sex to which she would not reject in a sense. I'm not quite sure how they defined all of that, but it's kind of like, hey, you are free to initiate every day except, and there was two days, just so that she would have two pressure-free days of Mm. knowing, okay, tonight I can go to bed. And I'm not going to get fondled or groped or attacked or mugged or even propositioned, you know. And
1: so so my guess is, is that if that day was a Thursday that she got her reprieve, that Wednesday night at midnight and <laughs> Friday morning at 6 a.m., he's all over her. <laughs> Maybe.
0: But it's just I mean, because because you think about it, when it comes to sex and marriage, to a degree, it's a little bit of a negotiation. You know, it's it's having some conversations. It's it's being up front. It's seeking what you want. And when that ties into the anxiety that's surrounding the possible rejection, well, yeah, I could see why if you're in a relationship where you've been rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. I mean, just think of the scenario, Shannon. Let's say you're in a marriage that it's been five years since you've had sex. You know, Pam and I just went to a, a couples enrichment weekend this past weekend. And this was with couples... That have, were in that boat. I mean, there were two or three in there that they haven't had sex in, in a decade. And if you think wow. about it. yeah, they just
1: been roommates.
0: Exactly. But if, if you think about it, though, we as we were unpacking that and talking about it more as the whole weekend unfolded. Whenever, I mean, think of now all the pressure you've got. If you're the high desire that wants sex and you're going to initiate it after 5 years of not having sex how much pressure are you putting on the sex itself i mean do you want it to be bad mm. <laughs> you know it's like okay if this is bad i may have to wait another 5 years before so now now you got this added pressure and this added importance and meaning on it and i mean to the to one couple's credit they talked they they wrote in that it had been 5 years until that friday night that while we were there that they renewed things friday night i guess you could say it's the easiest way to say it but yeah but so they kind of entered back into that world again but i mean it's if you look at the dynamics of a relationship there's so much meaning placed on things you know on how how do you initiate sex and what does that mean how does your rejection of sex mean you know and that that can be on both sides you know like if if you're if greg propositions you and you turn him down he could see it as ah oh, man i'm it's horrible I, I, what have I done wrong, and you could just see in this i we're at target I, it's not a good place
1: <laughs> well, and yeah the the spouse who's being turned down could easily think they don't love me, yeah, whereas the spouse who's doing the turning down may just think i, I you know i I'm just stressed at the moment too distracted or whatever. It yeah. has nothing to do with your level of love or commitment, yeah, but I love what Gina said in episode seventy seven that it's very important that the low desire spouse feel as if they are the object of the high desire spouse's affection rather than their tool of stress relief. Yes. That really resonated with me. Yeah. That, that, that right there was worth the price of admission into that episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's a great statement because it is, you can set up that dynamic of as the low desire partner, all you feel like is you're, you are the anxiety bubble burster for, your partner you are the stress release you right. are the, the doormat right the sexual You're... doormat
1: the sexual vending machine i had one client tell me that her husband actually had the expectation that if he did something to help out around the house she owed him sucks and so he would say things like well i emptied the dishwasher you need to suck me right now and she would be like is that your idea Boy, that, like, that's wow. gonna
0: get you turned on
1: exactly but she, <laughs> she was definitely feeling very abused yes. in that marriage and so, yeah, it, it it has to be fraught with romance and emotional connection. It can't just be a tit for tat. I did this, so you need to do this for me. That's the worst. Yeah. Uh, that's the worst approach in the world.
0: Well, yeah. it, it it is. But then again, it also is part of the dynamic of a relationship because it is isn't a marriage. A component of marriage, an exchange based proposition <laughs> <laughs> to, to a degree.
1: It is. It's is very much a negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: and, I mean, that's where it gets so complex because it's not as easy as, oh, well, you just need to be submissive or you just need to help out more. Or, you know, what's the blog post I saw years ago of um, what's, what's one of the best turn-ons for a husband to a wife is doing laundry, you know, learning the L word. And it's like, come on, really? I, I did the laundry yesterday. I didn't have sex last night. And you didn't get sex. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, that
1: whole thing about sex starts in the kitchen. Do the dishes, fellows. And actually, when I see my husband doing the dishes, I'm thinking, well, I'm glad that he realizes that since I cooked, he should do the dishes. I'm not thinking, <laughs> I need to drag him into the bedroom right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it but, is, a, it's a, the dynamics of the relationship. You know, it. that's where it is constantly this. What are you focusing on, I guess, is where I come back to where, where because when when you're in the scenario of I'm getting turned down, I'm getting turned down, I'm getting turned down, then all of a sudden your your focus is easily shifts to well, my spouse needs to change rather than what what do I need to do? what's maybe my, role? my
1: approach needs yeah. to change what's
0: my role in this right
1: and and i want to I want to throw out some tidbits in that regard. Uh, I, I want to talk about timing, okay. Ah, uh, what I have noticed, again, you know, during this particular season of our lives, I'm probably the higher desire spouse, but it certainly has not always been this way, and I don't anticipate that it's always gonna be this way. i you, you I just think the pendulum swings right. back and forth, you know, with the tide. Um, but I have paid attention to the fact that because my husband is aging, that sometimes energy level has a lot to do with whether he responds positively to my initiating or whether he responds negatively. So, you know, I'm a night owl. I could be up until 2 in the morning and function just fine the next day. Greg turns into a pumpkin at around 11 o'clock. Okay. And and he will wake up at the same time every morning, even on a Saturday morning. He's so frustrated. He still wakes up at six thirty seven 7 o'clock. So <laughs> he has the most energy in the morning, mm-hmm. I do not. Of course, I I'm not a morning person. Of I course. I don't like to rise before eight o'clock. I yeah, but I've learned that if I initiate sex first thing in the morning instead of last thing at night, he's much more amiable to that idea mm-hmm. because that's when he has the most energy. And so I've I've actually initiated sex at like six thirty in the morning and then just went back to sleep afterward. And it makes me feel really really good that I can start his day out so great, and then I get my need met somewhat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just a matter of negotiating, you know, what is it? Is it what the sex represents? Is it the timing? Is it how I'm approaching? Is it my foreplay technique or lack thereof? Look at the reasons why you may be getting rejected. And and it's okay to ask your spouse that question of, uh, you know, I respect your no, I honor, your distance, your disinterest at the moment. Could you help me understand so that I'm more sensitive in the future? When or how I shouldn't approach you because I don't want to put you in the position where you feel as if you're always having to say no. So teach me right. when is the most approachable time? How is the most approachable, uh, you know, way that you would respond positively? You know, have that kind of dialogue. If you can't even talk about it, you're probably not going to be successful at it. Exactly. Feedback is the breakfast of champions.
0: Yes, it is. And it's so, it's, I mean, basically what you're saying it, that I hear is it's just being a student of your spouse, being a student of your sex life.
1: Yeah, that it's not always about what you want, how you want it and when you want it. Right. It can be more about, or it needs to be more about when is the best timing for my spouse? What is the best approach? What is the best position, technique, activity, et cetera? Because you know, I think that everybody needs to know what their spouse's favorite, you know, a- activity is. Whether that's a foot rub, whether that's French kissing, whether that's oral sex, you know, whatever it is, right. just know that that's that is what my spouse really enjoys. So, speaking on this topic, though, Corey, I got an email from a, a fan, a frequent listener, and he was saying he was responding to um, our show about oral sex. And uh, I thought that he gave some really good um, thoughts in in re- in response. He approached his wife and asked if there was any biblical reason why she was opposed to oral sex. Okay. Her response is no. There's there's she couldn't find anything in scripture that would say that she shouldn't be. She could find scriptures that says that she shouldn't refuse her spouse, but not that she you know nothing about oral sex in particular. Right. So then he he said, well, my understanding is that you have enjoyed it in the past. And she didn't really respond too much one way or the other about that. And so then he asked her personal feelings about it. And he got kind of a strong negative reaction. And he could tell that she wishes that he would just forget about it. Okay. And so this is, so he says, where I stand at this point in time, he said, I still have hope. Because I have heard of people having a strong aversion to it for years, but now enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that he's holding on to hope. He's not just, you know, mourning the loss of something that he'll never have that he's, you know, but he is being sensitive. And how I know that he's being sensitive is this is what he said. At some point in time, I expect to raise the issue again in a hopefully tactful way. But I've realized this is not a hill to die on. And this is what he (laughs) says is that he's noticed that if they are active in their sex life, if they're doing other things, that it's not such a big hurt and disappointment that they're not having oral sex. It's when they're not as intimately connected and he becomes sexually frustrated and starts, mm-hmm. you know, feeling a little overwhelmed with the lack of sex in their marriage. That's when he starts bemoaning oral sex. So I just thought, you know, that's a great tip to throw out to people who really prefer not to have oral sex for whatever reason. I mean, some people just quite frankly find it distasteful, no pun intended. Right. So maybe just focusing on what you do enjoy, Uh, you know, focus on the frequency, focus on the positions, focus on being adventurous and playful but it doesn't necessarily have to include oral sex to be a fulfilling experience. Yeah. And so I, I just thought that was a really mature way for him to look at it as I just have to rejoice over the things that we are doing and that we're doing well and that we can both enjoy and not die on the hill of, but I expect you to do this for me, even though you <laughs> don't enjoy doing it at all.
0: Right. I would, I would add to it though, as long as there's progression and growth, and it doesn't necessarily mean growth towards oral sex ha- being a part of marriage and sex, but just growth yeah. in the development and the connection and the development of self is the best way to think of it in your presence in the act of your own life and in the act of your sex life. Because when you get into this whole, yeah, I don't want to do this because I'm not comfortable with it. That's where ruts really come in. Yeah because that starts If to you're define. only going
1: to do the things that are so comfortable to you, then most likely that translates to laying flat of your back and letting your partner service you.
0: Right. Or be a receptacle for it. That's them. not hot. No. Not yeah. at all. And that's where Schnarch comes up with the saying of that sex is leftovers.
1: Yeah, that's sad. But it's true, I don't like isn't leftovers. it? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but it's true because, you know, it, it's it's the whole you get to decide whatever you think is you're uncomfortable with and not not willing to do and i get to decide whatever i think i'm uncomfortable with and not willing to do and we do whatever's left over so yeah it, it, but, but you have to look at it as okay what if marriage in it in and of itself is really designed for something different and i think what that is is, is that it's our own development of self it's our own growth and sex is a great window into that
1: yeah you know, as soon as I said what I said a second ago, Corey, I was convicted about the fact that, um, okay, the, the whole thing about the late, you know, one partner being lazy of just, I'm going to be on my back. I'm just going right. you know, to let my partner service me type of thing. I wanted to clarify how that works with that timing issue that I brought up. Okay, uh, And I may be getting too personal. I don't mean to embarrass people <laughs> or anything like that, but, you know, sometimes the best way to speak is from your own experience. Yep. You Remember, I told you that I often initiate or not often. You know, maybe once or twice a week, I will initiate in the morning. Uh, my husband would say it's probably more toward the once a week than the twice a week. Twice <laughs> a week would probably be more, of you know, more up his alley in the morning. But, you know, maybe once a week I'm waking up and initiating sex. But he can't expect that I'm going to ha- be so full of energy that I'm going to hop on top and, right. and do all the work. Right. That pretty much he knows that it's it's up to him to exert the energy uh in the morning hours because that's not my best time but I'm happy to be with him and fully present in that moment and until until it's over and I can go back to sleep but at night when I'm the one who has the most energy I'm really okay with him relaxing and receiving right. and and letting me do all the work so it's just again it's negotiating what works best for each of you and finding that middle common ground
0: Well and it's also um, real I also it's also, to- Hold on I got to I got to add to that though Shannon because yeah, it's dude. also realizing that that in and of itself of what you describe is just a development of each of you of realizing, okay, yeah, I am catching. This is more in my wheelhouse at this time, but that doesn't let you off the hook completely. Or this is not, I'm not a morning person. So I can't raise that flag of, Hey, I started, so I'm done. No, you still have to grow and kind of confront what is it about me that I don't, I'm not a morning person? You know, what is it about me? Because it's like, think of how often we let our limitations define us and we don't even realize we're doing it. It's just yeah, we you label know, ourselves. Yeah, I don't like to, I don't like to fly. Why? Because one time I just didn't like it. So therefore I am a person that doesn't like to fly. R- really? <laughs> that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of an extreme example, but we do that in our life all the time. Of, no, I'm more of a homebody. Really? Why? You know, have you yeah. ever challenged that? Have you ever, Stepped out and done something that you were totally scared to do. I mean, that's the way you yeah. entered the world of sex anyway. Most likely you were scared to death. Sure. The first yeah. time so you got naked, allow with yourself to be
1: stretched right. out of your comfort zone a little bit on occasion. Right. I totally agree. Um, I also want to, I, I will always highlight this fact at every opportunity. There are lots of other reasons to have sex besides being horny. Yeah. If you just want to feel close to your spouse, if you want to sleep better that night, if you just want to, you know, start your day out on a positive note by putting a smile on your spouse's face, uh, if you want to relieve stress, if you are, you know, angry at your boss and you just want to think about something else for a little bit, you know, if you just want an escape from the kids, and uh, you know, it, there's a long list of reasons that you can have sex, mm-hmm. and that sex fulfills so many different things. So. The question to ask yourself when your spouse does approach you and initiates isn't, am I horny? That's that's a very, very limited view of sex. Right. I think the question to ask yourself is, is there any reason why I'm totally opposed? And if there's not a reason that you're totally opposed, then just get started mm-hmm. and your feelings will eventually catch up. Sometimes it's easier to act your way into a new way of feeling than to wait until you can feel your way into a new way of acting. Right. Would you agree?
0: I would. And, and on the flip side of that, for the high desire, it's it's recognizing what is, where is this coming from that I'm seeking? You know, is it, you know, because I, I think of it, it's the two categories of you have sex from a desire of emptiness or you have sex from a desire of fullness. You know, is it?
1: Oh, that's a great. Unpack that.
0: Okay. Because the emptiness idea is the horniness. It's the blue balls. It's the biological only, which I know that, yes, sex happens for procreation of the species. And there is a reality of that. But Mm -hmm. it's not huge. (laughs) I mean, most of it is. You don't die. Right. Most of it is anxiety. It's. Tension. It's I'm longing for this connection, but it's not from the good parts of me. It's more for an attachment of I don't feel good in myself, so I need you to help me feel better about me, and on and on it goes. But then you get to the sex out of fullness. You know that's a desire for giving. That's a desire for connection. That's a desire for love. And one example I think of is I'm going to be willing to bet this resonates with you, Shannon, because it does with me. Whenever I have done something good in my life. You know, when I've really helped out somebody, that's a turn on to me. I Mm -hmm. get, I get like, dude, Pam, where are you? You know, honey, let's, let's have, let's have some sex because I'm feeling really good right now. And it's not horny. I'm just feeling good.
1: It's like the antithesis. You and Gina have always said, however you do sex is how you do life. Well, however you do life is also how you want to do sex. Right.
0: So, so it's yeah,
1: it, we call it post conference sex. Whenever I do a weekend conference, <laughs> I come home and Greg is practically laying there naked on the bed. Ready? Like, I know you're Let's full go. of energy right now, so bring it on, baby.
0: <laughs> but I mean, because that's if you're talking about it's it's as speech as humans, we can make meaning out of things, and so recognizing what is this coming from in me because if it's coming out of emptiness, a majority of the time with your, your spouse knows that. They're yeah. catching on to that, and that's why you're getting turned down so much. And they're
1: feeling used right. and abused.
0: Right. So it's a yeah. challenging of yourself to realize, okay, what is this that I'm seeking? And how else could I get it if, if need be in the short term? Because I can sit here and think, okay, I'm, let's say I'm a high desire, and my wife is reading that every time I initiate sex, it's, it's a manipulation. So she's constantly turning me down. Well, if I'm really just looking to give and be a part of her life, there is other ways to be intimate than sex. So I could start focusing there to increase that connection and my word with her, mm-hmm. and then start to say, "Okay, look, this is uh, this is really what I'm looking for, and I'd also love it sexually." So, I, and, and the more I do that, I would think I would start to shift her read of me,
1: right. And another thing I wanted to affirm that you and Gina had shared on episode 77 is you had mentioned the need to kiss every day yes. and you're so right. Sometimes sex just seems to come out of left field yeah. because if a couple isn't even kissing regularly, the idea of having sex just seems like such a, a stretch, you yeah. know? So I love the kissing every day and I have a, a word of advice to couples who are mismatched in the hype department. Um, you, know, you think about you know men yeah. are typically significantly taller than some wives, not yeah. all. But my husband is six foot seven, yep. and I am five foot five and a half. And so there is, you know, what is that over fourteen inches difference between yep. the two of us? Yep. And so for me to reach up and kiss him for any length of time is quite painful. And so if your husband is that much taller than you, or husbands, if 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 you're that much taller than your wives. Sit down on the couch to kiss. And Mm -hmm. I promise you, you'll get a lot longer kiss. And I think the longer the kiss... The greater your successes of it moving forward to, you know, first, second, third, however you want to label those bases, uh, I think you're you're more likely to hit that home run if you do kiss often and even for a, a few seconds at a time, maybe even a few minutes at a time on occasion.
0: Well, yeah, Remember when
1: we used to do that as teenagers?
0: Yeah, and all you did was just kiss and kiss and kiss and kiss and kiss. And, kiss. and that's that's the idea of the 10-second kiss is just make sure you are kissing your spouse for at least 10 seconds every day. Yeah. And that's continuous. Well, well,
1: well, rem- and remember when we were teenagers, it felt like, oh, my gosh, I I want to have sex so bad right now I could scream. Well, it probably wasn't just because we were teenagers and just because it was supposed to be forbidden. Right. It was probably because we were kissing like crazy. So start kissing like crazy it, again, and you might not get rejected nearly as often.
0: Right, because it does, it does produce things in the brain, in the body that kind of get things going. It kind of lights a fire.
1: It, French kissing gets the sexual juices flowing. There's a reason why you don't French kiss your mother or your grandfather. I'll end on that. Nuff said. <laughs> As everyone hurls out this the car door. This has
0: Sexy Marriage Radio. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, we're glad you took some time to join us. And if you have anything that we left undone or questions, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, leave us a review, some comments. That helps spread the word and climb the charts because we want to have this message spread as far as possible that married sex can be fabulous. And research continues to show that, so let's just continue to make it even better and better. Amen. Well, well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for taking some time out to spend it with us. And we'll see you again next time.